welcome to Bethel. You guys can have a seat. It's February. We made it to February. Got through our first month of the year. So I wanted to help you guys the best I can, um, because that's what I am. I'm a helper, right? Um, Next week is Valentine's Day. So if you have a significant other in your life, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friend, anybody, fiance, somebody, if you have someone in your life, I'm giving you a week's heads up, okay? Next Sunday is Valentine's Day. So you have plenty of time to make a card, buy a card, buy a candy bar, um, find a friend and give them a card, right? So I want to help out your relationships today. You have time on Amazon to order something and get it here. And I just want, can I, Ray, have I said it enough? Do I need to repeat it one more time? Are we good? Are we good here? Are we good? Next week's Valentine's Day. So make sure those in your family that you love, you're prepared to love on them. I'm so glad you guys are here today. If you're visiting with us today, whether it's in person or online, we're so glad that you're here, glad that you found us, glad that you're joining us, and we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is going to mybethel.cc connect, and uh, there's a connection card there, just a place for your name and a number so we can contact you this week and see how we can better serve you. So we just love to get to know you. Um, we are in the middle of our series called Alignment. And we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to take a break in our series and have a little mini-series. So we're having a four-week mini-series called The Real Jesus. So we talk about Jesus a lot, and we say it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And if we're going to talk about him and say it's all about him, we need to understand him, right? We need to know who he is. So we're going to be learning about the real Jesus. And today we're going to be focusing on Jesus is God. So let's jump in and learn about Jesus is God. Good morning, Bethel. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Got my little stretchy Jesus out here. Good to have you guys this morning. We are in week six of alignment. As Christy said, we're taking a little mini deviation. We're going to be talking about the real Jesus. And I've got a question for you to start. Has anybody ever needed an attitude adjustment? Oh, yeah? So raise your hand if you need an attitude adjustment. If you didn't raise your hand. Liar. How about your kids? They need an attitude adjustment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How about your spouse? Don't raise your hand. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yes. We all from time to time need an attitude adjustment because 
a lot of us begin to get in our own heads and our own minds about things, and sometimes we just need to be kind of corrected, realigned. And uh, today we're actually continuing the, the journey in the book of Philippians. Paul, we need to remember Paul's in prison. He's writing this letter to a church in Philippi, this church that he loves, this church that he started. The church was actually started in Europe, the first church to be started in Europe, and it was going to continue to expand throughout Europe. But this, this first church, Philippi, Paul is writing them, and it's a, a really familiar letter. It's a letter very, very relational. And he's getting through this, and he's kind of teaching them, and also us 2,000 years later, this, uh, this idea that we need to to align ourselves under God. We need to align ourselves under his vision for our lives, not our own lives. And so 2,000 years later, he's encouraging us to align our lives with Jesus. And the truth is, when we look through scripture and we understand who Jesus really is, you are never more um, in line. You're, you're never more, um, the word that I'm meaningful, you're never more uh, profitable when you actually align your life under Jesus. You're never more significant than when you feel, realize who Jesus is and then align your life with him. What happens is we end up creating our own little Jesus. We end up creating our own idea of who Jesus is, and we want to align ourselves under that Jesus that we fabricated. Well, last week, we, our church began to engage with one another on purpose, and I'm asking our church to every week make an appointment with someone. You just look across the room and make an appointment with someone and tell them your Jesus story and hear their Jesus story. Because the whole point of this is that if I want to know someone and love someone because of their imperfection, because of their struggles, because of who they are, I actually got to spend a little bit of time with them. A lot of us think that, oh, the church and I'm on Sunday, and then the next Sunday I get together, the church is actually every day. We need to connect with people uh, throughout the week. And so I'm asking you to make an appointment with someone, find someone, and hear their Jesus story. Find where you agree. A lot of you may be just Jesus. That's the only thing you agree about. Everything else is different. Um, hear difficult parts of that person's story and love them anyway. Love them because of that. Also, find your place in the body or the church. And so our staff met this week, and we were talking through this idea in uh, Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about the questions of, are you, have you experienced this in Jesus? Then do this. And so we talked through it, and we came up with a word, a simple word that's going to kind of lead us in 2021, and this word is the word no. The word no. Word, the word no can be defined by two different definitions. The first one is a intellectual knowing or understanding information. And then the other one is actually an intimate knowledge of someone. Both of these work because we need to also not only have information about someone, but then we need to intimately see how that person um, works, what makes them tick, if, if, you, if you will. And so every week we want our church to meet with one another outside of the normal gatherings on Sunday. And so this week, invite someone to coffee or to lunch or to brunch or to dinner or lupper or whatever you call it, okay? Just invite someone out and get to know them on an intimate level, okay? What this is going to do is this will break down some of the barriers and you'll realize, okay, I actually as a church want to know Jesus. I actually want to not only intellectually know him, but I want to intimately know him. When I hear other people's stories of their journey, of their spiritual disconnection to connection to Jesus, it makes a difference in my own life. And so we want us to, at a church to get together and actually know Jesus. We also want to know what matters. Know what matters. This is like getting on the same page. This is like aligning ourselves with one another. Remember last week we talked about Jesus is the aligner, and so I'm not going to give up something to align with you. I'm actually going to, both of us are going to give up to align with Jesus. And so know, know Jesus and then know what really matters. The third thing is to know and love others. 
And then the fourth thing is to know your role. And so these no's are all important this year, not N-O, but K-N-O-W, to know intellectually and intimately someone. So as you make your appointments this week, you're actually making a difference. And I'm sure some of you have. I've gotten texts this week. I've gotten emails this week and things on Facebook where there's been some connections that have been made. People that didn't know one another sat down over coffee or sat down over brunch. And actually, it made a difference in people's lives this week. And actually, getting to know people helps you understand why they do what they do. And so instead of judging someone across the room, Invite them out to eat, invite them out over coffee, and get to know them. That's a powerful thing. So we're going to continue in Philippians. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to kind of give you an overview of what's going to happen today. Um, In our time together, it's really hard to describe something that's indescribable. It's hard to describe or define someone that Scripture says holds creation in his hands. And so it's going to be really hard this morning, and so we need to be engaged and understand that this is a very, very short description of who God is, that he is, God is, and he is our king, and represented visually and physically through Jesus. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2, let's look in verse 5, and we'll do an introduction today for this, this mini-series called The Real Jesus. Verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So there's the attitude adjustment. And so it's not the attitude of one another. It's actually the attitude of Christ Jesus, okay? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We sang about this a minute ago, that every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb, describing Jesus. Let's pray before we jump in. God, this morning, it's a privilege to be able to look in your scripture and and try with our finite mind to describe the infinite. So I pray that you would help our minds and our hearts and our spirits to receive what you have for us today, realizing that in our meager desire and, and pursuit to define you, you are truly indescribable, and yet you love us, and you've connected with us, and you've even walked with us. Today, God, as we discover Jesus is God, I pray that you would be as real to our hearts and that you're as real that we could reach out and touch you and grab onto you and hold on and we can trust you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to this earth to die for us, to take our place. Now walk with us this morning as we dig into your scripture, as we learn about the real Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul is talking about alignment and um, As we're approaching the book of Philippians, we've been talking about a divine chiropractor, someone that's going to adjust us. And sometimes we're out of alignment in pain, and we're going to actually jump in and ask God to align us, and we need to be willing to be adjusted. We need to be willing to have this um, attitude adjustment. And so if you look at verse 5, it says, have the same attitude as Christ. This section starts with that attitude adjustment. Sometimes we get into our own heads, and we begin to treat people around us like they owe us something, or have hurt us, or they've offended us, and they're going to have to pay. 
We end up trying to get justice and for these perceived grievances and try to get people from people the things that can only be fulfilled and given by the Father, by God. We end up trying to get other people to fill what God has promised to fill, and then we're just completely out of alignment. Paul draws our attention to who we should be serving and who we should, we should be getting our, fru- our pr- approval from. He tells us to adjust our attitude to the real Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're actually going to be finding the real Jesus, and we have four things that we're going to look at. Today, we're going to look at Jesus is God. That's in the first couple verses there in Philippians chapter 2. And then we're going to see next week that Jesus is man. Because in order for us to identify with him, he became, and became fully man. And then the next week, we're going to walk, talk about our substitute. A lot of us try to pursue God outside of Jesus. Scripture clearly says that that's like a thief coming through a window. We have to go through the door, which is Jesus. Jesus is the door. He's our substitute. And then the last week, we're going to go and we're going to talk about Jesus as king. Here's the issue with Jesus, and here's why I brought my little stretchy, bendable Jesus, is that all of us have a temptation to create a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible, and it ends up being all twisted. We actually want to fold them up and put them in our pocket. That's what we try to do with the real Jesus. How many of us have said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you with me, and I'm going to put you in my pocket. When I need you, I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to be like, away, Satan. Okay, let me put it back in here. Not right now, Jesus. Just stay over there in my pocket. I'll get you out in a minute. Okay, Jesus. Oh, Here's the truth. As I do this and you do this because we want Jesus to bend to us. Christy says, you can't take that and bend it. This is made in China. This is not the real Jesus, okay? So, but a lot of us want to take Jesus and we want to create our own idea of who Jesus is and mold him. Jesus, I need your love and forgiveness. Arms wide open. Oh, Jesus. Just be quiet now. Just put your hands to your side, hands in your pocket, Jesus. I don't need you right now. That's what we end up doing, and we end up replacing the real Jesus with who we think he should be. Scripture calls that idolatry. That's serving or worshiping something that is not the God presented in Scripture. And so what we want to say is, over the next few weeks, we're actually going to try to align ourselves with the real Jesus. This stretchy Jesus is dependent on me and my whims. The real Jesus is not dependent on me at all. The real Jesus in Scripture says that he is prophet, priest, and king. The real Jesus is far greater than anything we can describe. And a question that we have to ask ourselves today, is your Jesus moldable to your liking, or are you moldable to his liking? We need to adjust ourselves to the real Jesus. Are you following a fake Jesus? The fake Jesus of your imagination? Or are you actually following the real Jesus revealed in Scripture? When I read through Scripture, I see that Jesus actually revealed makes us uncomfortable. Because the real Jesus did things and said things and calls us to do things that is just not comfortable. The real Jesus is perfect. The real Jesus is God's word. The real Jesus is judge. Scripture says that the real Jesus is the bright and morning star. That the real Jesus created everything that we see. That the real Jesus came into his creation and he died at the hands of his creation. It says that the real Jesus himself made himself vulnerable for us. The real Jesus will not share you with anyone or anything else. The real Jesus is very hard to follow because the real Jesus demands total 
allegiance. The real Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was the only substitute that God would accept. The real Jesus is actually the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the author and the finisher and the master of the universe. He's the father to the fatherless and he's the home to the homeless and he's the help to the helpless. He's the defender of the weak. He's the real Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king. He's unreachable, unexplainable, and unmeasurable, and yet the real Jesus walked among men. And he cried with his friends and for his friends. He drew children unto himself and he accepted the lepers and the prostitutes and the sinners, the worst of the worst and the best of the best. The real Jesus is not, uh, does not discriminate. He does not withdraw his hands from those who ask and reach out to him. He's righteous and he hates sin and yet he's merciful and he loves sinners. He was abused and he was mistreated and yet he accepted and loved his very abusers. And those that rejected him, he obeyed his father and submitted himself to man. He was killed and he was dead and then all was lost. But because of his love and because of his perfection, scripture says that he rose from the dead. He breathed life again, fully God and fully man. The real Jesus became a man. He took my place. He is king. He's alive. And he actually cannot be replaced by your mere mind or idea. The real Jesus lives and calls all people to himself. And the real Jesus is closer than you think because the real Jesus is God. Paul tells us that we need to align ourselves with the real Jesus, not the one that we've created in our minds. A lot of us have created a little Jesus that we can control. And yet the real Jesus is dangerous. We cannot control him. Because once we give our lives to them, him, he does not let go. He will not let us go. Philippians 2.5 says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So in order to know the real Jesus, I actually have to get to know the real Jesus. Today, Jesus is God. In Scripture, we see that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. Now, if you look through Scripture, you'll never find a, a word for the, the word Trinity that we, have, that we call the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You won't find that word, but all through Scripture, from the very first verses all the way to the end, we see that God has three distinct parts, but is all the same as one God. Um, he is the second person in the Godhead, God the Son. He was active in creation. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, it says that all things were created through the Word of God. He's walking and he is the presence of God as we see there in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Notice that it didn't say he was a God. It says that he was God. One and only. Instead of overwhelming you with a bunch of scripture today, I actually just want to talk through a couple of passages in the Old Testament, which is the Jewish scriptures, and then the New Testament, which is the Christian scriptures. And I want you to see that from the beginning to the end, we actually see Jesus represented in all the pages of scripture. I don't want to discourage you from your personal investigation. And this right here, if you have a hard copy or if you have your, your phone, there's 66 books that make up what we call the Holy Scripture. And there's the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures given to the Jewish people. And then there's the New Testament, which is the, the Christian scriptures. As believers, we follow Jesus. And so all together, 66 books, I, don't want you to, I want you to actually get in and figure out God's revealed word to you. The word of God is action, and it's the action of God to humanity. When he spoke, actually things were created from nothing. This is the God we serve. God's presence in his word is for us to learn more about him. But if you look in the Old, script, the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures, we'll actually see the tapestry of Jesus from the beginning all the way to the new, calling out for this revealed Savior that would walk with us. If you see Jesus, you can see his image throughout the Old Testament. 
in the flood and the ark, in the Passover, in the Red Sea, in the wilderness and in the promised land, in the exile and return, in war and peace, in kingdom and kings, prophets and priests, the temple, its sacrifices, its rituals, wisdom in death and in life, songs of lament and rejoicing, the lives of faithful sufferers and the blood of righteous martyrs. The Old Testament is incredibly Jesus-shaped. And you can see him throughout Scripture. But as a, in the Christian Scriptures, the New Testament, we actually see that Jesus is the I Am who Abraham rejoiced with. We also see that the Lord motivated Moses, and it was Jesus that motivated him, that the Redeemer who brought them out of Egypt was Jesus, and the rock in the wilderness was Christ. The king of Isaiah's temple in the vision was his son, Jesus Christ. He's not just a big mosaic that we kind of see in Old Testament. He actually is present in the pages of Scripture. So where is Jesus? I want to start in Genesis chapter 2, and I want you to see in Genesis chapter 2 that the very Son, the second person of the Godhead, walked with man in the garden. Look at verse 8. Words matter, and especially original words matter, for us to understand what Jesus, how Jesus is represented in the Old Testament. Verse 8 says, then the Lord God, and so if you have your Bibles, you can circle that. You can do a word study of that and see what that means, but the Lord God, it says, planted a garden in Eden. Notice that he didn't just call into existence this garden. He actually planted the garden in Eden. It says, and there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord God, once again we see that Lord God, made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. God created it, he planted it, and then he put man in the garden. So this key word, Lord God, verse um, 8 of chapter 3. Now, if you know anything about this story, you have Adam and Eve, first man and woman, and they ate of the fruit, and God kicked them out of the garden. Right before that, look what it says in verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man to the man, where are you? So this two, these two words, Lord and God, if you look these words up, it's actually Jehovah Elohim. And Jehovah Elohim means Yahweh, the one true God, and then also means the ever-existing one. And these two words brought together, they translate Lord God in English, but these original words meant something greater because it wasn't just God the Father, but it was also God the Son represented walking among man. Look at Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. If you flip your Bible to chapter 4, it'll no longer say the Lord God. From the moment that they left the garden, it says the Lord God placed a cherubim, an angel there to protect the garden so they wouldn't come back in. Because he wanted to be reconnected with man and he had an eternal plan to come to this earth, the Lord God, the Son, the second in the, in the Godhead, no longer walked with man, but he actually left the earth. And from then on, you can look at the word, and it says, Lord, Lord, Lord. It no longer says Lord God. The ever-eternal existing one was no longer there present, but he didn't leave man alone. After Genesis 3, we see that it shifts to Jehovah, 
no longer the existing one, but he was one among many little g-gods that people would serve. And so if you know this, man went his own way. He did what he wanted to do. He followed his own path. And God was calling man to have a relationship with him. And Jesus appeared every so often throughout the Jewish scriptures to walk with man again. In the Old Testament, we see the rock of the sacrifice with Abraham and Isaac. Isaac and Abraham went up on the mountain. He was going to kill his son, and there was a substitute that was presented there. That's Jesus represented in the Old Testament. We also see the burning bush. If you've seen this, the, the, the prince of Egypt, and you see this burning bush where God, actually the Lord God, spoke. It was actually Jesus represented there, the eternal existing one. And then in Joshua chapter 5, you can see the captain of the Lord's army. This is the guy that called Joshua to be on his side, not to choose a side. And so he said, come on, be on my side. This is the son longing to be with his creation, to walk with his creation as they, we were created for him to do. He created us to have a relationship with him. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and the desire of the son is for a relationship with humanity that was broken because of our choice. Well, in the New Testament, or the Christian scriptures, we see the affirmation that Jesus is God. Look in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Word Word is actually the word logos in Greek, and this is the something said, something majestic. Paul took the word of God, and he said, this is Jesus. Later on it says, this is Jesus. Jesus is the one that came, and anyone that believes in him will become a son of God or a daughter of God. He was active in creation. Everything that was created through Jesus, he actually had a plan, which is to make man the pinnacle of his creation. He created man for a relationship with him. Let's skip on to 1 John chapter 1. Same author, different book. 1 John chapter 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one is who life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal he was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write these things so that you may fully share our joy. Our attitude of adjustment, our, our, our adjustment needs to be toward Jesus to be the one. And when we think about him, it's in awe and respect. And this actually should offend us because Jesus cannot be constrained in a little figurine that we put in our pocket. Jesus is creator. When there was nothing, his very words created everything we see. He is God. He's the word of God. He's the presence of God. And he's the power of God. One last scripture I want, you, want us to read together this morning. And this one reveals the power of God and that we can actually trust him. Jesus, when he walked this earth... He performed miracles to draw people to the Father. And we could talk about him turning the, the, the dead man to life, or we could talk about the blind, uh, the blind man having sight. We can talk about the lepers that lost their leprosy. But, but I want us to look at one of his miracles that is so relevant today because of all the chaos that's in our world that we can actually trust Jesus as God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 says this, Then Jesus got into the boat, started across the lake with his, with his disciples. 
Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake and the waves breaking onto the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? Even the winds and waves obey him. If we're not careful, we'll be like the disciples. And we want Jesus to do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. And our life will be full of storm and chaos. There's pain and there's suffering and there's things all around us. And we're like, hey, Jesus, you're asleep. You're asleep, Jesus, you're asleep. And Jesus says, "Um, do you not trust me? Do you not trust me? The very one that created the wind and the waves cannot control it. He actually is God. He has absolute power. He has absolute control. He's not a figurine we can actually put in our pocket. He's not a figurine that we can shape into what we want. He is God. And here's the value of Jesus as God. Though it seems that the whole world is falling apart, Though it seems that there's turmoil in our soul and in our minds and we just can't get a hold and get a grasp and control our lives, Jesus is God and he actually can be trusted. Jesus is God and we can trust him. We can easily look at the storm and chaos and we can say, Jesus, you're asleep. We can look at the chaos in our life, we can look at the chaos in our mind and we could say, yep, I don't know who's in control. I've tried to control it, and I can't. But we need to realize whose we are and who's in control. Because Jesus is God. Jesus has this. Jesus is all-powerful. And Jesus can calm any storm in your life. Let's pray. God, this morning, we've seen that you are God. Jesus can be trusted. That Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. And even though we've thought that he's asleep, even though it seems like he has lost control, even though all around us there's fear and there's chaos, Jesus being fully God means that we can grab onto him and he can calm the fiercest storm in our life. Even if it seems like the mountains are just falling all all around us and that the sea is coming up and it's going to destroy us and we're going to drown, we can trust you. We can put our faith and our confidence and we can give up control and give it to you because you are God. Think back through creation, God, and when you were creating everything we see through Jesus, you thought of this very moment. Your mind went to the future and you saw the world in which we live that seems out of control and you are still God and you still can be trusted. So God, this morning I pray that no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what journey we have put our lives on, that we can fully put our confidence in you. You've got this. We trust you with our soul. We trust you with our heart. We trust you with our mind. And even we trust you with our circumstances. Jesus, we love you. We praise God for you. And as the writer in John says, it's to bring about joy because you're in control and we're not. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
His forgiveness, right? Like, we need it. We yes. love it. And, and, and that song is just so awesome because it, His forgiveness is so It's amazing so when someone lets you off the hook when you don't right. deserve it. And that's right. grace and that's right. forgiveness. Love the part. I, I, I don't want to abuse your grace because I need it every day. Right. It's the only thing that makes me want to change is your grace. So that's powerful And stuff. I love that the new song we sang today. Thank you for learning a new song. I know it's hard. Yes. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17 says that He will calm our fears with his love it says with his love he will calm our fears and sing over us and rejoice over us with songs mm. and i that picture is just so beautiful to me thinking that because of his love he wants to calm my fears and then he sings over us and the the word rejoicing there the direct translation is with dancing and singing and to think of god in that way he loves us so much yeah. and it's just a beautiful picture of how much he loves us is singing over us and so i love that new song and and i feel like it went great with um the part we read in matthew today when jesus is on the boat mm-hmm. and he's like guys why are you afraid and, and i think back to the zephaniah he wants to calm our fears and in the song, it says, it's going to be okay. And I kind of felt like, you know, in that verse in Matthew, Jesus is like, Where, where's your faith, guys? I'm here. Why are you afraid? It's going to be okay. Yeah. I, you know, I'm here. I've got this. And so many times when we're going through something, he's right there. And he's like, it's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. I'm here. When he, and he invites us into the rejoicing. I think the thing is a lot of us are fearful. The ship's going down. We're in chaos. But then he invites us into the rejoicing and the rejoicing. And that's a, that's a, it's a lot more fun to rejoice right. than it is to be in fear. For and sure, so, right. So this right. week we want you to connect. And so make an appointment with someone uh, over coffee, lunch, and discuss the real Jesus as being God and how you can trust him. So let's and do I that And I think this it's week. awesome that we can be honest with each other and yeah. talk about things are hard right now. You know, the, the water's coming in, the mountains are crumbling. Like we all go through times when we feel like the, it's, everything's crumbling around me. Yeah. And I think it's good to say that to each other yeah. and to remind each other that you're not alone in the hurt, yeah. but Jesus said it's gonna be okay. He That's says, right. don't be afraid. So to encourage each other to the truth as well. I meant to say a preview. So oh, the next yeah. three weeks, so we're going to be God as man. Um, next week, uh, Pastor Randy's going to be talking about that. We have God as substitute. I'm going to bring that. And then Pastor Ruben's going to talk about Jesus as king. Sorry. Jesus as man. Jesus as substitute. Jesus as king. And so this week, you're going to, or this month, you're going to hear from our pastors. It's going to be amazing. So you know, some of the it. ladies are doing a Bible study right now, and we're studying Jesus. I don't know if you, know, if you knew that when you started this Jesus nope. series, mini-series. Philippians, but, man. Philippians. And, and, and so... Um, it is encouraging to me to think that God, that Jesus was a man, you know, yeah. that he was tempted and he struggled and he knew those same things I did. So that's yeah. an encouragement to me as well. And God was so good to do so many things just to encourage me, right? Like just to, just to encourage us on earth. He gives us um, so many things for us. He loves us in so many ways. So you guys have a good week. Um, find someone to connect with this week. Stay warm. And remember here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a great week. Love you guys.